0: Hello and welcome to a big episode of the official A-League's podcast. It's grand final week in the A-League women's. We're excited for that. Amy Chapman is with me. Always happy when that's the case. No Robbie Cornthwaite this week, but a couple of big guests. Luciano Narsingh, one of the big overseas recruits to the A-League men's, will join us. Along with Melina Ayres, who scored the opener to send the victory to what has been just about a shock run. From nowhere to the A-League Women's Grand Final, where they'll take on Sydney FC in a repeat of last season's decider. It's with all that in mind that Amy Chapman is pretty chirpy on this uh, Monday afternoon and we're recording. Hello, Chappers.
1: Hello, Garby. Great to see you. Uh, a ton of football to talk about, obviously getting to the very, very pointy end um, on the women's side and, of course, some big matchups on the weekend on the men's. So, um, and to add to that... Socceroos obviously in action shortly and the Matildas shortly after that so um, not in short supply of great football.
0: Massive week for the Socceroos we're going to really dive into that in a moment just look at the game in detail Australia Japan and some of the backup options that still might need to be called upon I mean COVID concerns are still rife we haven't quite emerged out of that yet in sport the world over so we've got an, an A-League 11 that they could call upon <laughs> players in their positions if in fact Graham Arnold needs to do so. Bit on Graham Arnold on that front in COVID as well in the background of such a massive contest um, ahead of Thursday of course. So we'll go through some of those players and just look at the squad at the moment and how we might match up against Japan who have also got a few big name players out. So who knows maybe just leveling up for a little bit for Australia despite some of the pessimism around Thursday which is a huge occasion in Australian football. We can't wait for it. We'll look at the A League women's grand final. Chappers has got her big matchups, full review of the A League men's competition from the weekend. And the very big story that is Richard Garcia being axed from the Perth glory, though. Before that, though, Amy, uh, Chappies chirp. I've got a bit of an inkling on what it's about this week. And it's a good one because it's been. A tough few days, let's be honest, for women in sports media, um, a sobering few days here in Australia, a setback perhaps after so many times of progression over the last few years. And you were calling an A-League men's game on the weekend, which I thought was wonderful, um, considering all that's going on. A reminder of how football is continuing to, to push forward in, in that sphere. And uh, I think that's what you want to touch on a bit in Chappie's Chirp this week.
1: Yeah, and you're spot on there, Garvey. It has been a tough week for, I think, everyone in sports media, particularly the male allies, yeah. male or female, for, for lovers of the game. But I think the saddest thing out of all of that was I was not one bit surprised by any of those comments. So I think if you talk to anyone who's lived and breathed uh, in a male-dominated arena, whatever industry you're in, and sports media is a classic example of that, Um I was not surprised whatsoever, and I think there was a lot of people out there who were, but we've got a long, long way to go, um, mm. and credit for how that was handled afterwards. But, yeah, I think it's it's so important that we continue to push the boundaries here. Um, we as footballers, not men or women, need to de- demand better, and I think for me, as you touched on, calling the, the men's game in the last few weeks um, – has has been great it makes absolutely no difference to me if i'm calling a men's or women's game of football i love the game i appreciate the art but i think it's incredibly important for the game and for the viewers and for the fans um of the game to see and hear women involved in all aspects so i love that channel 10 are eager to push the boundaries we've got the you know some some key females in the right positions to do exactly that Um, so yeah, look, I've been enjoying it. I've been, I watch every single game, as do you, Garvey. So it's, it's all good times for me. But yeah, a really important week, and important for football to continue making statements that this game is for everyone.
0: Yeah, uh, things certainly are changing in that respect. I mean, they are overseas as well. Emma Hayes was expert comments on the Euros last year. She was rated the best commentator out of everyone on the men's side of things. No surprise. I was lucky enough to interview her not too long ago. She is one of the more refreshing voices in world football. She's great. Um, Was very close to getting the Matildas job or taking the Matildas job, by the way. Um, She was right in the mix for that, which would have been interesting. Um, But uh, yeah, she's fantastic. So she's leading the way there. There are female commentators now in the Premier League, play-by-play commentators, not just special comments. And Renee Muhlenstein's uh, Soccer is assistant coach is actually a play-by-play commentator on the Premier League. Um, so it is changing for the better. Um, thankfully, we are pushing ahead. But the weekend was a reminder that a lot of people still have a long way to go. And maybe there'll be some benefit out of that, an ugly situation where people were hurt unnecessarily, just to remind us that we do have a long way to go. Um, so well said, Chappie. Um, I think that's uh, a very good Chappie's chair, um, a poignant one at uh, what has been a tricky time. Big news also, before we get on to the Socceroos, was the axing of Richard Garcia by the Perth Glory on the weekend, which you can't really argue about when you look at the last few results. And then the magnitude of that defeat to a team one spot above them on the table in Brisbane. To go to Perth, smash them 4-1. Great result for them. Juan Lascano, the maligned off-season recruit, getting a double, so important. Warren Moon last week hinted that his best would come. It did. But it meant that Richard Garcia's gone and... I'm not sure as tough as it's been for him and you feel for Richie and it's such a good guy and the the hurdles he's had to jump over as head coach, as much as you feel for him in that regard, once they've got back to Perth, they've lost every game. And then a loss like that on the weekend, it's a pretty straight up call, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. And the only two sackings we've had all season have been after losses to Brisbane. So <laughs> I don't know if they're a bit of a bogey team for coaches who are already uh, walking the fine line, but yeah, um, Yeah, it wasn't a good performance from Perth. They have only one point from their last four home games. And I think think we can all say that uh, Richie Garcia took a massive gamble with Sturridge and he's played 93 minutes out of 16 games. So, look, he was a big marquee player, but it hasn't come to fruition. Still on the sidelines with a groin injury. Perhaps Castro, I'm sure a lot of the local fans would have preferred sticking with a known quantity. Um, and I think they have lacked that creativity in the midfield. You brought it up before, Garby. And look, it's difficult to see coaches and people you like in the game get removed from their positions, but it's it's tough at the top. It's very tough. And from from everything I've heard, both Richie and Steve, the assistant, took the news really professionally. Um, and, of course, we wish them all the best. That they're, they're wonderful advocates for football. But, um, yeah, tough times for Perth.
0: Yeah. And the reason why you feel sorry for him as well is that they took a big gamble on Daniel Sturridge and that didn't work out and it was all in. And you know what? Sometimes the coach doesn't have much of a say in that, um, which is is really difficult uh, to be in because if it works out, well, great. You've got a top class striker, but if it doesn't, well, then you're bereft of options in other areas of the park. And he was all season long. They got back to Perth and They needed to get on the front foot in games and they couldn't. You know, they relied on that backs against the wall mentality. That's okay with a a workman-like squad. But you go back to Perth and you're trying to push the barrow a bit and you have to get some wins and you don't really have the options in terms of creativity for Bruno Fornaroli. Your captain, Brandon O'Neill, gets injured. It falls apart very quickly. Um, And then you get stories of player discontent it's always the case when those things start to happen and results fall away and and the coach goes so hopefully he can bounce back good man he's had excellent experience in recent times but uh yeah Ruben Zadkovich takes over an interim basis and we'll see where Perth goes from here Tony Sage no doubt would be a frustrated owner hopefully they can have a solid end to the season good right. game for
1: Brisbane though Garby before you push on good yeah game big big for win Brisbane. for Warren
0: Moon yeah we're really happy back to back you. Yeah, back to
1: back wins. Ivanovic scoring a great individual goal there. Um, I feel like they're starting to get a bit of consistency. They'll have City coming up shortly, which will be a big, you know, a big task. But um, you know, if he gets some of these players back from fitness and regularly being having a full squad to choose from, Warren Moon is is a competitive coach, so he'll take a, you know a lot of positives out of that win away in Perth.
0: Yeah, they're a chance now for the finals. I mean, they're they're up against it because we don't think they've quite got the quality in their 11, but they're building nicely now and they've beaten teams around them they should have beaten and that that helps their confidence a lot. So well done to the Raw. On to the A-League Women's Grand Final in a moment though, but let's touch on the Socceroos because Thursday night is one of the biggest games Australian football has had in the last 15 years. It's a must-win World Cup qualifier. It is. It is the equivalent of of a playoff basically because... If we don't win this one, um, it's guaranteed playoffs. So it's, it is everything on the line. And the playoffs are going to be so difficult. Third place in the other group. Fifth place South American team. Good luck. One-off games, neutral territory. It's, it, it's a must-win game against a very good side with an undermanned squad. And that is the predicament for an Australian team. low on confidence now, having only won one of their last five games. How do you see it panning out on Thursday, Amy?
1: Well, as you touched on, there's a number of players now unavailable. Even as of today, we saw the likes of Goodwin and Irvine. I think both of those players, your golden boy, Goodwin, can bring <laughs> something completely different in that true out-and-out out left flank kind of position. So he's a big loss. And Jackson Irvine, he's been sensational in all the games that the soccerers have been playing. He's become a, a crucial cog. So disappointing, Moy, Taggart, McGree already out. Um, but before we go into potentially what we're going to discuss about who could be the standby players? Did you see Graham Arnold being spotted out of these local shops potentially? I mean, I don't know the details about this. Tests positive for COVID last Thursday. He's uh, being investigated by Football Australia. Look, I'm sure he'll be healthy enough to be there at the ground for the game, but. Um, Yeah, interesting stuff coming out in the headlines today. The soccer is in the headlines for all the wrong reasons leading into this.
0: Yeah, we'll wait and see what the outcome of that is. Spotted walking when he should have been in isolation, allegedly. And we don't know what the outcome is, but hopefully Graham Arnold's there on on Thursday night to lead the team in a very big game. The 11, though, for the game is, is certainly up for debate because the players that are out now, I mean, Jackson Irvine, Aaron Moy, Craig Goodwin, you mentioned, question mark over Matt Leckie, Jamie McLaren's not there. Um, for the Saudi game. Adam Taggart unavailable. Chris Economides is injured. Nikita Rukovitsa not double vaccinated. Uh, you've got players in midfield, Riley McGree, who's not there as well. He's another good goal scoring option. Of course, we've already lost Harry Suter. Let's not forget that. Halfway through the Tommy, campaign Tommy Rogic to injury. As well. Tommy, Tommy Rogic, Rogic is in doubt. Mark. He's in doubt after the game for Celtic on the weekend. Japan have some issues too. Kyogo for sorry. Uh, most prominent in that, their star striker who is unavailable. So they're missing a big name, but they have got greater depth. They have got Taki Minamino, who's been starring for Liverpool uh, when he's been called upon this season. And there is still the concern uh, that we've got a couple COVID cases that might emerge. We understand a whole heap of A-League players have been put on standby to be called into the Socceroos squad at the drop of a hat. That is our mail. So we've ran through a little 11, A little 11 of players you could call on at the last minutes in their positions to go and help out if the Socceroos need them. In goals, a player for me that should be in the squad anyway, Amy Chapman. I think it's ridiculous that he's not, Mark Birigitti. The only reason I can call upon for Mark Birigitti not being in the squad is if they've said, Matt Ryan's our number one. We know he's going to play. We just want to keep everything around him the same. So his backup's the same. We know how everything's working in that sense, we don't want to upset the apple cart too much to keep it as it is because Matt's playing both games anyway. I understand that, but that's not fair on Mark Birrigiddy. He's doing everything right to try and get into the squad. He shouldn't be left out if that is the reason. I don't know if it is. But on form, there is absolutely no case you can make for him not to be in the squad. He made another cracking save on the weekend for the Mariners.
1: Yeah, you're passionate about it, well, Garby, and I love it's it. It's unfair. Is, across the season, hands down, Birrus has been the standout Australian goalkeeper there. And of course, to be fair, Redmayne made a couple of great saves for Sydney on the weekend. But, um, yeah, he is obviously the first cab off the rank, potentially, if there is um, some question marks over all the keepers. But I think you've got a strong argument there.
0: Okay. Right back, I've got Jason Geria. You had another nomination?
1: Yeah, I thought Risdon. I thought yeah. Josh risdon has been playing well. Yep.
0: Let's not forget he played all three games for Australia at the 2018 World Cup in Russia at right back. So he's comfortable in a Socceroos jersey. Jason Guerrier right there with him. The two centre-backs we agreed on, Alex Wilkinson and Curtis Good. If we had to call upon a couple at short notice, Matthew Speranovic is a backup option, but Wilco and Curtis Good with more runs on the board. Left back, we both agreed on Jason Davidson with Scott Jamison as another very close backup option. And midfield, we went for a few different options. I like Oli Bazanic and Angus Thurgate as the engine room, but you had a couple others that came to mind?
1: Yep, I agreed with Bozanic, and, and Thurgate's a great little youngster. But I also thought uh, Amini, he's been hitting his strides a little bit for Sydney, thought he had a great game on the weekend. So, you know, he is in form, he's really confident on the ball. And Aiden O'Neill as well. I don't know how far he is off that next step to the senior socceroos, but I mean, he, he's been excellent for City.
0: Yeah, and Graham Arnold's got a pension at the moment for calling up Ollie Ruse. He likes players that have been in that (laughs) squad. So he would be amongst it. you would think. I've got Jake Brimmer just playing in front of them as the number 10. Had a really good season. So he would be someone that you'd be looked at. Off the right, Anthony Caceres, who's had a fantastic campaign for Sydney FC. We agreed on that. Off the left, we agreed on Lockie Wales to be the option. Chris Economides is obviously a standout, but he's injured at the moment. So Lockie Wales having a good campaign for Western United would be the man off the left, another Ollie Roo. And then up front, I mentioned Jason Cummings as a standout, but we're not quite sure if there would be some sort of <laughs> protocol you'd have to go through in order to naturalise him as fully Australian. It, it might be a weight process through FIFA or something like that. I don't know. So we ended up going for Andrew Nabut and as the backup.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I was didn't even cross my mind that Cummings could be an option, but that is something, <laughs> I mean, if you can get Bruno in there... Um, which I think he'll be exciting to see in the Socceroos colours. I mean, Jason's obviously uh, an option there as well. I think Rene Piscopo brings something totally different as well. He's a little bit Tilio-like, so he'd be an option. I think Milo Usnich, if he was fit, which he's currently not, but um, another great option, Andrew Nabut, for sure. But I also think Falami was the right decision to bring him in as well. He's been in good form, so um, hard to argue with that one.
0: Plenty of good options there in terms of Aussies that have excelled in the A-League this season. So we like the little squad that we've compiled on that front. I'm worried about how much possession Australia is going to have against Japan. It feels as if at the moment, if Australia is going to win, they might have to jag it. You know, it might have to be one of those games as opposed to Australia dominating possession. You just worry about our quality in midfield to boss a game against Japan, to have it on our own terms for long enough that a win might be garnered in that fashion. I've got the sense yeah. going into the game that Japan will dominate possession. We'll have to be strong and then find a way to score through different means in transition or offset pieces and things like that. What are your, your pregame thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, historically, um, the Japanese in particular have been very, very confident on the ball. They always, you know, uh, have the possession stats in their favour. And the Socceroos traditionally have been, had physicality, the, 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 the strength, the speed. And that's how you... Uh, outplay the likes of the Japanese but we don't have the likes of Harry Suter anymore there's no Josh Kennedy at six foot whatever he is (laughs) six foot nine something probably to call upon so it's do you try and match them at their own game of possession I still think we've got a lot of speedsters out there I like the idea that you're throwing something completely different at them but I think they need to go in obviously understanding they won't have much possession but they've got to catch them with the pace and speed and physicality Potentially set pieces incredibly important. So that's why it's a bit sad we're missing Goodwin as well. Very sad we're missing Harry Suter. Um, so look, we've got we've got everything to gain here. We've got to go for it. We've got we've got a good mix of youngsters in there too. It's a massive task. It's a lot of pressure on them, but um, it will be entertaining to watch.
0: A win and Australia's every chance because Saudi Arabia might have already qualified. Go there, get another three points. Um, you know, it's goal difference in Australia's favour. Japan has to beat Vietnam by a lot, but winning is going to be tough. And then winning away is going to be tough. It's an almighty task. Who would you start up front in this game? Jamie McLaren in the first game when he is available? Or the new man in green and gold, Bruno Fornaroli? Who would you give the honours to to lead the line in Sydney?
1: I think you'd, you'd start Jamie for me. I think, you, you know, you've only got him for that one game as well. Um, he, he scores off half chances, as does Fornaroli, to be honest. But then again, you may want to get a bit of consistency with Fauna combining with players up front. But I think you've got to throw everything at it. You've only got Jamie for one game. I do love that Daggers has been brought in. I've always been a big fan of Nick D'Agostino. You know that. I've seen him here at Brisbane. I think he'll bring something totally different. Power, strength, potentially off the bench. I I can't see him maybe coming on against Japan, but... um, Brings something completely different to what McLaren offers anyways.
0: And he brings confidence. I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're doing it at. When you're scoring goals, you're feeling good about yourself. And he brings that in abundance coming into this squad. Yeah, the Fornaroli decision is really interesting as we finish off this chat. I mean, it is a desperate time, desperate measures caller. There's no disputing that. He's a 34-year-old Uruguayan. He's just been naturalized. We called him up straight away because of our lack of options in attack. Um, it doesn't say a lot about our development path, let's be honest. It doesn't say a lot about that at all. But you can't really argue with it when you weigh up the needs right now. And, you know, he's someone with big game experience. He's someone with big game arrogance. He's someone who's comfortable back to goal and he can conjure up goals out of nothing. So I like the call. I don't like what it says about where, where we're going.
1: Well, it's, but does Australia have a great track record of providing and producing out and out strikers. I'm not sure we do. I think Jamie McLaren has been obviously a standout for his generation and dominating, but I don't know if we have a wonderful history of producing pure strikers. Nikita Rukovica is excellent, as you mentioned. Look, he spent a bit of time in Australia, not a ton, but um, yeah. are we producing? Do we have the right setup here in Australia to produce these pure out and out number nines like Bruno is? Yeah. Not well, sure
0: the reason why we don't is because we often bring in mar- our marquees and overseas players to fill those positions. So it's yeah. a long debate. Um, look, we're not the only country that struggles through that, by the way, like they're the hardest players mm-hmm. in the game to find for good reason. There's plenty of other nations you can look at going into big tournaments and you go, who's their main striker. We're not the only country that has that issue because they're hard yeah. players to find. But of course that is one for us to try and solve moving forward. Can't wait for Thursday night. Make sure you tune in wherever you are. We need to get the nation behind us for a game like this. We need to garner that special World Cup qualifier energy as if it was a playoff. And hopefully, with a big crowd at Stadium Australia, they can find a way to get the three points over Japan and keep automatic qualification alive. All right, let's sink our teeth into another big one on the weekend, and that is the A-League Women's Grand Final. And it will be a repeat of last year's grand final, Chappas, Sydney FC against Melbourne victory, which I don't think anyone predicted at the start of this final series. We both thought they would be out at the first time of asking, and we thought they'd be out maybe at the second time of asking, even though City lost a couple of players. They've made it through to the grand final. Can they push Sydney FC again? A word first from you on the prelim and how you thought that panned out with victory blitzing City in the early stages.
1: Yeah, victory are a finals football team. They took it up two extra gears yesterday, and there'll be a lot of people who say, obviously, they limped into the finals. They did play an enormous amount of games, pretty much every three days for the entire month of March, of February. Sorry, so look, there's lots of reasons around that, but I don't think any team had a, had a ton of rest at any stage throughout this season because of a number of reasons but they are hitting their form at the right time. I think Alex Chidiak was outstanding. Casey Dumont in goals, also outstanding. Melina Ayres, fantastic introduction to bring back in for the final series. Zimmerman, I think they've got big-name players, Melbourne Victory, that stand up in finals. When they need a player to take a hold of the game, they've got five or six of them to do so, and that's where I think Melbourne City fell short. On an all-round team, they've got a great little squad. They do... Wonderful combinations, but I don't think they had a player that really was able to take them and and drive them to that next level that that game needed from them. So you can never write off Jeff Hopkins. You can never write off Melbourne victory. I did pick them to win the whole thing from the beginning of the (laughs) season and then the wheels fell off. So um, I'm pretty excited to see them back in it. And we know that they are capable of beating Sydney in Sydney in a grand final when they're the underdogs because that's exactly what happened last year
0: and the game will have spice in it. Don't worry about that. And Melina Ayers will join us in a moment, and she touches on a bit of that. And how much they love a trip to Sydney. And they'd love to do it to them again and break their hearts once more. But Sydney FC have been sitting there, waiting, watching, desperate to ensure that doesn't happen again and history doesn't repeat itself. So what are the key battles in this game, Chappers? Break it down for us, some of the key matchups that you think might define the title.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's going to be quite a few. And I think, if we even just start from the back, both keepers have been outstanding this season. Obviously, Jada Wyman hasn't had a ton to do because she's got such a strong backline ahead of her for Sydney FC. But in the regular season, they only conceded six goals all season. And her highlights reel of the, the save she has done is, is top notch. So I think both keepers will be coming in and are very, with a lot of confidence and they're very difficult to beat. I think... Absolutely, this game will be won and lost in the midfield. The key ones for me, Rachel Lowe and a very exciting youngster and Mackenzie Hawksby, who is very much fringe Matildas for me. They've both had outstanding seasons. They're both creative players and they're coming up against two players who are also in a very similar position with Kyra Cooney-Cross and Chidiak. So that midfield battle will be absolutely fascinating Chidiac absolutely on the weekend was a big reason. She brought that X factor. She brings this level of energy that I think Hawkesby for Sydney brings. So I think that is going to be so incredibly exciting to watch. You can't write off the likes of Courtney Vine. We see how talented talented she's been, and I think the two uh, sorry the New Zealander and American in Bunge and Hendricks for Melbourne victory have provided that little bit of stability that Melbourne Victory lost early on when they lost Kayla Morrison with that ACL injury. So I thought the game yesterday, Melbourne Victory, were defensively very strong, midfield very energetic, and now they've got the likes of Melina Ayres coming in who can score goals. She's an out-and-out out nine. She's, she's not match fit by any means, but she played 90 minutes. She's scored in both finals. So she's coming in with a lot of confidence. And then Sydney have an unbelievable amount of depth. They, they can change it up and bring on Rojas, who's been one of the top the league's top goal scorers as well. So I think it's going to be an incredible matchup. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's an easy pick. Obviously, Sydney are going to be the favourites. They've got that squad depth. Ante Juric has had a wonderful season. But Jeff Hopkins knows how to win finals. So it's going to be a great game.
0: You're not getting off that easily before we bring in Melina yeah. Ayres. And she can't hear this, but your tip. Put it all on the line. Who wins and why?
1: I have to say Sydney. I don't think they will want to make the same mistake they made last year in this finals. I think they've got a lot more depth, as I mentioned, across the entire park. I think if they played how they played in the second half of their original final, I think they are. Well, Sydney Sydney in their best form are untouchable in this league. So if they, if they bring it, they will win. I'm really dragging this out, aren't I? Um, but I think Melbourne Victory will put up a great fight, but I do think Sydney will be too strong.
0: Yeah, I think the Victory have got the bit between their teeth at the moment, and I'll make it very difficult for them. But I just think too many options in attack, um, too much and Sydney will be,
1: will be rested as well. They, they've watched Victory have to play two back-to-back tough games. Um, so I don't know how much of that a factor adrenaline kicks in for these occasions. I'm sure any niggling injuries, you just put a bit of strapping tape on that, but... Um, yeah, Sydney, Sydney are certainly uh, the
2: favourites.
0: Yeah, and Victory will have a lot of belief as well coming off what happened last year. They'll feel good about going back to the same ground and doing it again. But I just think Sydney, the, the gap between the two teams this season compared to last is a little bit larger off the, over the course of the campaign. So I think that might just be the difference in the end, a bit more belief in what you're capable of on such a big stage but this young lady is going to have a big say as she often does in finals let's bring her in now
2: and here's another turnover Chidiac caught in possession Melina Ayres across the face of goal, and this time there is no let off and it's Molina Ayres with her second in two games
0: yeah, she scored the opener in the preliminary final on the weekend. She spearheaded Melbourne victory into the A-League final, a repeat of last season's decider against Sydney FC. But it's back to reality and back to work for Melina Ayres today. She joins us in her Bunnings uniform on her work break. Great to see you, Melina. It's a little bit of a reality check after a big day yesterday. Yeah, it's
2: uh, it's kind of good. You have the morning off and then roll into work and... Uh... No one, no one knows what you've done the day before. So it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of good.
0: No heroes welcome when you came back to work after that?
2: No, no. the um, They all thought I played netball until last week. So just a bit of a, oh, how'd you go on the weekend? So yeah, it was pretty underwhelming, but yeah.
0: Maybe a sign that we have got a little way to go in that sense. But here you will get your dues, that is for sure. And they are much deserved. Well done on the opener. Well done on getting through to the granny. You've done it against the odds of the victory. No one thought you were capable of this before the final started, for fair reason, perhaps, having failed to win five in a row in the lead up to the final series.
2: Yeah, it wasn't wasn't the ideal run up to the season, but I guess it was. Um, in every season, you sort of have that that dip in results, and because our season's pretty short, like it, it's kind of a cr- crucial to not have one of those dips. But I guess it kind of fired all the girls up to. Um, Yeah, just like we still somehow were in for a chance to make finals and we did what we needed to do and now we're sort of on the rise. So hopefully we've peaked at the right time. Well, you
1: certainly have, Melina. And talk us through that. Do you you only play finals now? Are you that kind of player? Or where have you been for the the majority of the season? Talk us through um, why we're only just seeing
2: you now. Yeah, well, it's kind of nice, isn't it? You just come in, your team makes finals and just knock a couple in but um (laughs) no it's been a pretty frustrating year um yeah four months on the sidelines um yeah with a hamstring injury so it's yeah I guess I've learned a lot in that sense because I've not yet had like touch wood a long-term injury um like this before so I guess I've had a lot of time to get my body right and get in the gym and um get in the pool and the bike so it's um yeah, it's been a long road, but yeah, I guess with all injuries you learn a lot and um, you sort of get a different perspective once you come back. And on that, two, two finals, two
1: goals from you, a 90 minutes yesterday for someone who hasn't played in what you said was four or five months. How is the body feeling? Um, just talk us through how on earth you're managing to play at that tempo at 90 minutes without really getting many runs on the board throughout the season.
2: Yeah, I'd, I guess it's just, it's a final, it's a derby, it's in Melbourne, there's a crowd, you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of do it. I, yeah, I guess the adrenaline kind of gets you through, but yeah, today waking up was um, pretty sore to get out of bed, but I'm glad I got 90 minutes, I'm in one piece and ready for next week.
0: How much belief have you girls had, Melina, that you could cause a couple of shocks in the finals, maybe three big shocks and win the whole thing from the position that you were in? How were you able to keep that belief when everybody had written you off?
2: Um, I think, like, even last year, everyone seems to write us off no matter what. But, you know, we lost... We are in a semi against Brisbane. The the last game we played, then we lost 6-0. Or 6-1 or whatever it was. And then for some reason, we just, we knew what we could do. We just probably hadn't done it. And same as this year, we, we knew what we can do. We've had players out come and coming back in. And I think Jeff's just always believed in our team from the, you know, from the get go. And when you have, you know, the coaching staff telling you, you can do stuff that you don't know, you know, you don't know if you can do that. um, Yeah. I guess he's just instilled this belief in us and, We've had sniffs throughout the season of really good stuff and I guess we've just tried to take all of those, no matter how small they were, and put them them together for for the big games. Looking at that derby yesterday, you probably could have had a hat-trick, potentially even in the
1: first half there. And you actually, the one you did score was probably the toughest of all of them. If this is you, Rusty... How far do you think you can go? I think next week, you, you know, you're going to cause a lot of havoc in there for someone who's, who's just slotting back into the team.
2: Yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, yeah, I definitely missed a straight one early on, which just <laughs> was very hard to watch the replay. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's always you come back with a fresh mind and you, you just want to get on the ball and score. And I guess I've been working hard for so many years. And yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, even last year I I scored a few more than the previous season, but I hit the post, I hit the uh, crossbar five times, and so I guess at some stage hopefully they just fall in. But um, yeah, I'll just keep going, and if I score one next week and that's the winner, that'll be that'll be enough.
0: Sydney have been there waiting, watching on. They've been at the top of the table all season long, basically. How do you weigh up this matchup then? Where do you think you might be able to break them down? to beat them on the biggest day of all?
2: Um, I guess, like, you know, they've had an extra week to think about it and watch us have a pretty good win, two pretty good wins. Um, So, I mean, yeah, Sydney are always a good team and I think we just have to play as, you know, as everyone says, play our game. But if we can stay tight at the back and shut down some of their really good attacking options... um, I think we have a good enough midfield and fold line to, to break them down. And even, even though it was a draw earlier in the season, like I think we had chances and we probably didn't, probably didn't defend as well as we wanted to. Um, so I think we can take a lot of confidence from that draw, um, especially coming back late. Um, I think that gave the girls a lot of belief and, you know, we've got a couple of players back now since then. And um, yeah, and we just want to replicate what happened last year. And it is a bit of
1: sense of deja vu. Is that what it feels like for your team? Do you take a bit of confidence knowing that you got the better of Sydney in Sydney last year? Do you take some confidence out of that?
2: Um, for me personally, yes. I like I just being in Sydney in Sydney's been a dream of mine since since I played cricket where we used to lose every year to Sydney in Sydney. So it's, um, yeah, it has been a bit of a different, well, Def for me especially, a different approach to last year, but um, I guess kind of similar in, in the semi-final, a similar lead-in in finals that we um, we had a big loss during the season, but then we, we came back and beat the same team in the semi, and then we know what we can do, and I guess the girls that were there last year know what it takes. It's, it could be, you know, you could get one opportunity, well, we had about 30 last year, but we just needed that one to fall in. So I think it doesn't feel probably two weeks ago, it felt like a massive hill to climb to even make the final. But now it's, you know, it's one kick. So, yeah.
0: Melina, it's a huge occasion on Sunday. We can't wait for it. It's two glamour teams, it's two teams who put on a great show last season and delivered an epic. And you've got a story and a half going from where you came from before the finals series. And it's great to see you back scoring goals like you did in the finals last season, of course. So maybe you're a bit of a uh, a March specialist in the A-League women's competition. That's when you bring your best form. Well done on the weekend. Good luck for the grand final. It's awesome what you're doing and uh, we're watching with interest.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.
0: Great to chat to Melina. i um, honest, uh, I think is the way to describe her. And I like that she had a little bit of fight about her when it came to going to Sydney and wanting to, oh, let's be honest, make them cry once more. I mean, she's, she's not backwards and coming forwards on in that respect.
1: She's a real character. And, and I loved how she just implied, Oh, I only come in for finals football. I'll <laughs> let everyone else play the, the normal round games. That's, you know, I'm, I'm above that. So what a legend. And she's come in, who says you need to be scoring goals to get confidence. You can come in in the finals and do that. And, you know, it's, it's interesting insight seeing Melina in her Bunnings, literally her Bunnings outfit, yeah. jumping into the storeroom just to take that call. And then there's – because there's an interesting side, and perhaps, you know, I'm sure she's got a lot of knowledge in that space too, but then there's the sad side of it. Why are these girls playing 90 minutes of an intense finals football yesterday, showing up to work at 7 a.m. at Bunnings the next day to work all day on your feet, repeat? Yeah. God knows how many shifts she has got this week leading into the finals football. So – it's it's that um, fine balance we're not quite getting just yet in the women's game, but, geez, she was a character.
0: A reminder of, yeah, the lengths we've got to go to still for it to be a fully professional competition. And you would at least would have hoped there would have been a, I don't know, guard of honour, standing ovation when she walked into work. You know, for someone who scored a big goal, led the team into the grand final, didn't sound like that was the case. So, yeah, that's a shame. Um, and that, it, it, it was... An interesting story to see her back at work, but it was a little bit disappointing in that sense as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can keep making grounds, but uh, clearly there's a lot of ground to make up. But anyway, she won't care one jot if she can uh, lift the trophy on the weekend in the short period of time. Of course, I'm sure she cares about the bigger picture a lot, but uh, she's an important player for the victory on the weekend. Let's get into the A-League men's review. Big wins for Newcastle and Central Coast. Weren't they important? Two teams who are pushing now for final spots in a big way. The Mariners 4-2 over MacArthur, who have now had three losses in their last four. Is, are The wheel's coming off of the Bulls a little bit. Um, Central Coast with a couple of big performances in a row. That attack really starting to build. And the Jets ended a three-match losing streak in what loomed as a mass win game on paper against the Phoenix, who lost a couple of key players in their spine. Alex Rufa, uh, most of all. I was at Jets training Chappy on Wednesday this week, I managed to hear about a bit of Arthur Pappas's speech and it was very much along the lines of, we are winning this game. We have to win this game. And his team went out there on Delivered on a big night for the club. It was members round to do it with a 4-0 victory. Elie Babal scoring as well, which we'll get into in a moment, which is a really nice touch for him. Yeah, a couple of teams that said, you think that we're going to stay out of this finals race? You've got another thing coming. They are on the charge.
1: That's interesting. You're getting a bit of insight of Pappas. You've all, you've liked him from day dot, haven't you? You've you've sung his praises. You want him to have a good opportunity and a good run at this, and they should have. They should have and should be very confident going into a game like that. Obviously, Wellington walking wounded at the moment. A ton of players away on on um, national team duty as well. So. And you've got some exciting youngsters, Newcastle. I think like you, you've, you've spoken about Thurgate as well. He, he's a fascinating one to grow into this league. So, um, yeah, important important game for them.
0: Olivia Bumar with the double. Mikkel Tadzi with one for the Jets. Eli Babal. So A-League men's fans will remember 10 years ago, this kid burst onto the scene. Back at the time when we used to go the next Mark Viduca, the next Harry Kiel, the next Tim Cahill. We threw away those taglines every five minutes, threw them around, sorry. But Ellie did fit the bill of the next Mark Viduca because he was a young star, comfortable with his back to goal, wonderful touch and could score any kind of goal. There were big raps on him for very good reason. And then he followed the Viduca route of going to the nation of his family's heritage. He went to Red Star Belgrade and played for them, which is his family, Serbian. We all remember the Duca went to play in Croatia, of course. And so those similarities were starting to trend. Unfortunately, Ellie's had a, a horrid time since. He's a lovely lad. He's a big football head. I'll speak to him a bit. He's just such a good kid who wanted so much for his career. And he's honest that it just hasn't worked out because of injuries, because of bad club moves, because of transfers that haven't worked out, because he pushed himself and perhaps he had to be a bit more patient with his body. 10 clubs in 10 seasons, five different countries over that journey. He hadn't scored in two and a half years before he nodded in the fourth for the Jets. Just so happy for him. And hopefully at, I think he's 30 years of age, he's still got a good run at it to end his career on a positive note.
1: I think it's such a fascinating discussion about the right and wrong moves for youngsters, particularly young men, trying to make the right decisions heading to Europe. Is it the right decision? Um, I think there needs to be... Gabi, you've got plenty of time on your hands. Can't you write a book about ones that successful st- stories, ones that didn't work out? Because I think, I mean, there's a lot of agents out there trying to guide players. There's a lot of um, background noise. But ultimately, you've got about a 12- you know, to 15-year window to get it right, to get your decisions right, to play under the right coaches to get the best out of you. And sometimes it's a hit and sometimes it's a miss.
0: The problem a lot is that it, it breaks a player's confidence. Because you go there, it's dog-eat-dog. You're in in isolation. If you cop a bad injury, your coach leaves. You feel like you're on your own and you've got no one supporting you around you. Different in Australia. You're one of the boys, your teammates pick you up. You go to Europe as an Aussie and you've got a target on your back because you're there to take someone's position. And it's very, very difficult. And a lot of players have struggled with that. And maybe Ellie battled through that as well. And your confidence then starts to... fade away a bit so it's tough but great to see him scoring again and hopefully he gets more options for the Jets A really good story and Elie Babal back finding the back of the net in Australian football the Melbourne Derby is always a big occasion ended 1-1 and probably rightfully so on the balance of play the victory the better team early 1-1 at halftime and then City with a late flurry late the victory held on and form line wise it probably seems like a fair result City have hit their straps they've been in great touch and the victory coming off that excellent performance in Japan and the Asian Champions League were unfortunately they were knocked out um, a couple of wins before that. And they seem like they're right up there with the best in the competition now as well.
1: Yeah. I've loved all the Melbourne derbies so far this year. And this one delivered again, there was over 18,000 there. It was a very intense and exciting atmosphere and the, the football tempo matched that completely. Not as many goals as we've seen in the previous derbies, but um. Again, I'm still loving D'Agostino. You know, I'm excited he's in the soccer. We don't know how much minutes he will get, but he's thriving under Popovich. And Rojas, also another good game for him. Why is he not away with the All Whites? Is this, has he been overlooked? Just on. I'm
0: not not sure. sure? I'm not sure of the exact reason on that. Look, his form had dipped a lot going into the season. Um, They're going through a bit of a boom i mean they you know our kiwi friends we like them dearly the likes of jason (laughs) pine and the rest they often say on twitter the all whites would beat the socceroos at the moment so they're having a little burst of of quality players didn't they only beat
1: png 1-0
0: yeah exactly Uh, maybe they need a (laughs) bit of a reality check but you know i'm not sure why marco's not in the mix because he's had a really good campaign a lot of people had written him off a lot of people thought that he was a kid who burst on the scene, the Kiwi Messi as a teenager and uh, maybe his best years had passed him by. But the victory kept the faith. And every coach that's come through there, and there's been a few in recent times, have kept the faith with him as well. And now he's delivering. Maybe it took the Tony Popovich regime to really get his body into order and he's maximising things off the back of that.
1: Yeah, they're exciting. And, they're, and, I mean, I've enjoyed watching victory play. And Melbourne City, they're, they're, they are finding their form, obviously, Curtis, good. Great to see him back playing consistently and gets on the score sheet there. Another great game for him. I think they're just always wonderful matches to watch. I was surprised we didn't have a winner. I don't know if I could have picked potentially on chances. Maybe victory had the better of the chances, but um, again, it probably, yeah, a draw was the right result there, but another exciting game.
0: Seven games without defeat now for Melbourne City, so they're in a really good run of form and in the league, the victory unbeaten in their last four, so yeah, look out for both those teams when the finals come around. They look like they're shaping up beautifully for it right now. Talk about a big win for Sydney FC. You covered this game on Saturday night up against Western United, who we know have been so dominant defensively all season. And Steve Corica, under pressure. And some would say, you know, with his point to prove when it comes to saving his job in the latter part of the season, executes a 3-0 victory with Luciano Narsing starting and scoring. He'll join us in a moment. That was a real statement from the Sky Blues to say that, uh, yeah, if you re- wrote us off, you've done so a bit early.
1: A big, big win for them. And they obviously had some new faces returning. You saw Caceres back in, Ninkovic back in. Actually, at, at the loss of, of Max Burgess, who had also been excellent the, the previous game as well and was actually man of the match over in Perth. So he certainly got – when his team is – Fully fit. He's got a lot of artillery, particularly in that midfield position there. I thought Amini was outstanding, him and Ninkovic, arguably the best player on the field. Ninkovic just brings that almost Diego Castro like brilliant football mind. He sees passes well before, he, he, he doesn't take the touch where other players would take the touch. And I think he despite the fact he's been out for it for a little while, he he came back in like he hasn't missed a beat whatsoever, got himself on the score sheet, combined really well with Narsingh, who, who we'll chat to shortly. But I think it was a little, bit, a little bit of a lethargic game for Western United with John Aloisi's squad. They're obviously defensively to concede three. That's pretty big. And Hayden Fox, he was looking scratching his head a little bit, someone who's done the job very, very well so far this season. Yeah. Um, Yes, Sydney FC with their creative midfield players with the confidence running at that Western United defence. It showed Western United up.
0: The early goal is important in every game of football. We know that. But I think against Western United, if you can get one early and Ninkovic scores in the 23rd minute, then it really puts a bit of doubt in their mind because they can't lean on their defensive acumen as much they have, have to get a little bit more adventurous. They have to change things up a little bit. When you've had so many 1-0 wins and so many clean sheets in a season, perhaps you get, for understandable reasons, a little bit of a false sense of security in that sense. If you get shocked early on in the opening half an hour one against you, then it just changes your approach a little bit. Maybe that's the best way to beat Western United and maybe that is the thing they have to try and correct, getting that change to their game right before finals. Because then you're left with, in a very big game under big pressure, a bit of uncertainty, which can, can hold you back on, on a big stage.
1: Yeah, and I think there could have been question marks on his selection of players, obviously bringing both Caceres and Ninkovic back in. And Max Burgess exactly having such a great game the week before but it paid off for him, I think. They knew they were going to have a lot of possession. Western United are happy to give up possession, but they're incredibly difficult to break down. And having the overlapping runs from Grant was not going to be enough. They needed clever players for those one, two players, happy and confident to take touches inside the 18-yard box. And I think that paid off for Steve Corica. And I think him getting those two players back, for that specific game was the difference um, and the credit to them that they'll start building a bit of momentum. It was, it was the Sydney. We haven't seen in a little while, the Sydney we expect each season. So look, it's promising signs for Sydney and Sydney FC fans.
0: And maybe with this man now leading the attack and playing alongside someone like Adam LaFondra, maybe that's the partnership that Steve Corica settles on. <coughs> for the rest of the season, perhaps they can cause a surprise from the position they were in. Let's bring him in. He's got a wonderful footballing CV. Great to have him in the country. It's Luciano Narsing. Keeps
2: it moving. Narsing! It's a first goal for Luciano Narsing! And the man who scored in the championship
0: Yeah, he's a 16-time Dutch international. He's won a couple of Dutch leagues as well with PSV. He's a star of the game in Holland, and we are so lucky to have him here in Australia. He is Luciano Narsing. He scored his first goal for Sydney FC on the weekend, and he's our special guest on the A-League's official podcast. Luciano, congratulations. You're off the mark in Australia. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Yeah,
3: thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, nice to speak to you.
0: How good was that moment on the weekend to finally get going in sky blue and, and contribute a, an important goal in a very big game?
3: Yeah, for me, uh, it was very nice uh, that you won the game, and uh, especially if you can uh, also score in that game, it's uh, very nice. They are at the top of the table, so uh, it's nice to, uh, to win them.
0: How's it been for you since coming here? Because you know, you've had to bide your time and, and get your fitness levels up and you've had to observe yeah. everything. And, and now you've been able to come in and impose yourself slowly but surely. So how's that process yeah. been for you?
3: Uh, yeah, I was training uh, a lot and hard in, heart, uh, in uh, Holland. So uh, for me, it was good. But uh, of course, if you didn't play like for 10 months, no game, you have to come in it. So I have to tell, uh, I have to say uh, all the people uh, taking care of me, uh, making me uh, yeah, fit. And uh, as you can see, after uh, one game, I already uh, start, I mean, a starting 11. So for me, it's good to build my fitness uh, level up. And uh, yeah, every, I feel like every game
0: uh, I'm feeling stronger and stronger. How did you arrive in Australia, Luciano? Tell us the story of how, You've landed up in the A-League wearing the famous sky blue of Sydney.
3: Uh, yeah, it was like a good friend of mine, Romeo Castella, played uh, at Australia and we we, we we had a chat and he said his best time in his career was in Australia. And that yeah made me wonder like, hey, I want to see it in my own eyes. And uh, yeah, he, he came to me and said uh, that uh, Sydney might uh, be uh, interested in me and I didn't have to, to think uh, long about
0: that. How have you found it so far? What are your thoughts on the A-League as a whole at the moment?
3: Uh, I like it very, uh, very nice. I have to say uh, the team uh, take good care of me, the coaches the stuff. So, uh, yeah, I adapt well. The weather is here much better than in uh, Holland. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I only can be positive about the, yeah, the, few, the, yeah, the few weeks that I'm here. But, uh, yeah, I like it so far.
0: You're on loan until the end of the season. How confident are you that between now and, and the end of the campaign, remember we have finals here, so doesn't matter where yeah. Sydney finish in the top six, you can still win the title as long as you make that final six. How confident are you of having not only success with the team, but really starting to potentially take charge of this league on an individual level yourself?
3: Uh, what do you mean uh, with that? Uh,
0: do you think you can, you can take charge of this league and really dominate yourself on an individual level as well as the team? Uh, uh,
3: yeah, the team is important. And uh, uh, what I see is like uh, my style of playing will fit the team. So if my uh, fitness go up, I think I can be uh, yeah, important with my, uh, with my pace and uh, with
0: my assist and hopefully, hopefully uh, more goals. You have such a wonderful record in the game. I mean, to win a couple of Dutch titles is, is an amazing achievement. To play for such a respected national team like Holland is something to be so proud of. The most assists in the Eredivisie in 2011-12. I mean, you're only 31, though. So you, all of those achievements, you're still pretty young. It feels like you've got a lot to offer here in Australia and perhaps elsewhere, too. Yeah, yeah. But, uh,
3: that's what I'm thinking also. I'm uh, very young. I'm still fit so uh, for me it's like a new adventure and uh, I feel good here and I want to be the best version of myself and uh, we're going to see how far uh, that's going to take.
0: We know that footballers um, need to take the best deal on offer especially when they get into their 30s. You've signed until the end of the season. Are you liking it enough that you may be able to stay beyond that? Has that crossed your mind yet?
3: Yeah, it's it's what the club want. Uh, me, I feel good, and for me, it's like yeah, of course. Uh, you have to think about your career, but for me, it's the feeling important and uh, how you are at the club because you can you can have so uh, so much money, but you at the club like nobody's taking care of you. You're not happy. For me, it's uh, number one. I have to be happy, and that uh, that am I? So uh, I have to uh, play every game good, and uh, let's hope uh, the club uh, yeah wanna hold me longer, and uh, yeah. From now on, I feel
0: uh, good to stay. Tell us what it's like as a, a young Dutchman coming through the ranks there. You, you broke through at Heddenveen, but then you're yeah. signed by PSV. You become a star of that team for five years. You win a couple of titles, as I said. You, you graduate into the Dutch team and become a mainstay for a few years. That whole experience for a young Dutch footballer. Take us yeah. into that world.
3: Yes, yeah, it's like a dream come true. You, I only dreamed about it. And uh, I have to say, it, it, it went very fast. In my first year at Air Fame I was east, uh, coming in the game. And uh, every time I came in the game, I, I make good impact. So the year after, uh, yeah, I was at the first 11 a lot of games. And uh, I make the most assists. I like 23 assists in one season. And that's uh, the year that my career uh, went up. After that, uh, I, I went on the... Europe League uh, with the national team uh, with uh, all the big stars. Like I always play on the more uh, at the PlayStation <laughs> and i next to them. So yeah, it was, it was really like a dream came true. And uh, yeah, what you say uh, after that, went to PSV, nice career. I'm lucky uh, my ACL uh, went, uh, I did my ACL. So it take, it take me longer to come at my ACL. Uh, uh, yeah stage again but uh, after that I think uh, I recover good and uh, went to the Premier League play uh, also very good games important games uh, after that we are relegation, so they want to uh, yeah everybody uh, go off so come uh, back in uh, Holland at uh, Feyenoord. Feyenoord uh, Stam then uh, want me so I go there but after a couple of weeks uh, leave the club so it uh, was a difficult period for me because uh, my uh, my position was the captain was Stephen Berghaus. very good player also, yeah. and and the coach didn't want me to play on a uh, other position, so it was difficult for me. And now, uh, yeah, happy that I'm uh, that I'm here.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the high moments more before we talk about some of the challenging ones. I mean, 2015 yeah. for you is enormous. 18th of April, you set up the opening goal for Luke de Jong. And then you score the final goal as PSV defeated your, your old side in head and vein to win the Dutch title, their 22nd title, but their first since 2008. And you were so instrumental in it. Is that yeah. the period in your career that maybe plays over in your mind more than anything else?
3: Uh, yeah, for sure. That <laughs> was my first uh, yeah, yeah, champion uh, yeah, in the league. So yeah, as a young boy, that's that's what you want. And uh, we achieve it with such uh, such a good player yeah that's a moment uh, i will never forget
0: 2014 australians we all remember the game with the dutch um unfortunately for you luciana you suffered an injury just before that world cup despite being a huge part of the qualification process and you missed out i mean it's a game that we rue because we feel australia should have won it we were 2-1 up we had a big chance Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. to be. So you must reflect on that match in a completely different way, considering you you probably should have been there.
3: Yeah, and what you say, I got a lot of impact with the qualification. I, I, I play uh, play of games. I score goals. So for me, it was uh, yeah, it was a difficult time that uh, that be important and that I can be on the World Cup. And uh, yeah, achieve what I wanted. But uh, that's life, and that's football. You never know what happened, and uh, that's why I'm. Uh, Year, and uh, and not planning like oh I want to be after four uh, months four months there and there because you don't know what
0: happened. Yeah, you've been lucky to have such a brilliant career, but you know the last few years must have have been tough. You got relegated with Swansea, you Nord, know, yeah. then Twente. You spent about almost a year without a club. Now you're here in Australia. How tough is that experience for a footballer to go through when you're moving around and you're just not sure where that next deal is going to come from?
3: Yeah, for me, it was, uh, I have to say, it was maybe my own fault because I get some offers, but I was waiting too long. And because I waiting too long, clubs already have all the players. So I think it was just me, like, deciding, uh, to waiting too long. But uh, I think it also made me stronger as a person and mentally to see the other side of football, like if you don't have a club. And, uh, yeah, I think it was also good for me to, to make a tap because everything was normal and I always played at the good clubs and you know I, everything was good for me and if you then uh, like uh, 10, uh, 10 months didn't play a game then you see the other side and I appreciate football now more and uh, I always work hard but now I even work harder
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's that's good news for us in australia and and good news for steve corica Uh, you've come into the club when maybe they were going through a a tricky time that the the form had dropped a little bit steve corica himself said it's probably his most difficult time since he took the job at sydney what have you experienced within the squad in terms of how they are dealing with that and, and trying to get out of it obviously the weekend was a good result and a good sign
3: I think uh, everybody's positive because we look at the games and most of the games we should have won or we dominated. So we, we keep uh, on the good things like we created chances and uh, we play good football. So that was the point to go further. Only now we have to uh, score the balls. So yeah, everybody was positive. It was not like uh, a big deal because uh, we know we play good and we dominate. So uh, for us, just now to score the goals. And you see, uh, Saturday, if score scoring the goals, like, uh, yeah, we can win uh, some games 3 uh, 0.
0: Let's hope that's the case. Let's hope there's some more goals from you. Two quick questions to finish, Luciano, because of the career you've had, the clubs you've played at. Um, I'd love to know the answers to this, as I'm sure all the Australian listeners would. Firstly, the best player that you've ever played with?
3: Uh, Wesley Snyder.
0: That's a pretty good answer. Decent footballer. Best player you've ever played against? Cristiano Romano. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need too much thinking there. Have you played against Messi as well? Uh, No, I didn't play against him. Okay, well, there you go. You saved yourself for some controversy there. By having only played against the one. Luciano, thanks so much for joining us on the A-League's official podcast. It's a pleasure to have you in the A-League and with Sydney. We hope you stay for a bit longer beyond this season, but you've got a lot to achieve first. Thanks so much. Thank you, Thank you very much. Yeah, great to have Luciano on the A-League's official podcast. I mean, his CV is awesome. It's, it probably hasn't been given enough credit. If he's the kind of player I think that was signed in the lead-up to the A-League season, there would have been a bit of fuss around him. And um, understandably, middle of the season, yeah, maybe he got lost a little bit. But, geez, the Sky Blue fans are recognising what a talent he is. He's got something really different about him. And you can see the quality and the level he's played at, can't you?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think he did fly under the radar a little bit as a signing. But the combinations between particularly Ninkovic and Narsing on the weekend were, were exciting. They're impressive. And that was a really clever, cheeky chip. For someone who's a bit of pressure on him, you're a striker coming into sydney sc one of the biggest clubs in australia there's a bit of pressure on you so good for him to get the monkey off the back there and get one in the back of the net
0: just wanted to mention this because i forgot to earlier in the macarthur central coast game macarthur made a triple substitution on the half hour mark it's the earliest triple substitution in the history of Australian domestic football, Mooney Najjar off for Lockie Rose, Mbomwa off for Jake Holman, Jovanovic off for Alex Shuzna. If you're playing in a game like that and the coach does that, Amy, you've maybe been in a situation similar, I don't know. What does that do to the 11 on the field or the eight players that are on the field? Never mind the three being dragged, they're furious. But what does it do to a setup so early in the game?
1: Yeah, it's going to rattle all the players, I think, because, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a ton of subs to make that early. But what I kind of like about it, and look, it didn't pay off for them necessarily in the end, but Milicic did not hesitate to make a statement. So you're, doing, you're not playing by the way I want you to play in the style that I want you to play. You're not having a top game. You are getting dragged. I don't care what minute it is. So look, part of me was impressed, part of me also concerned because that is definitely going to rattle the players that are out there.
0: A sign of the form slump they're in, three losses in their last four games. And yeah, as I said before, they've got a battle now to hang on to their final spot. They should do so from the position they're in, but the victory got games in hand. And the Mariners certainly do. They're coming home strong. Phoenix, if they can get settled have also got games in hand on on the teams above them. So, yeah, they've got to get it right soon, MacArthur, or they could be looking at a scenario where two, three games out from the finals, they're desperate for points in order to make the top six like they did last season in their debut campaign. And it'll all draw between Western Sydney and Adelaide. You do worry a bit about Adelaide without Craig Goodwin, but now with Western United losing, MacArthur dropping off, Um, Not a bad point for them away from home And a decent one for Western Sydney as well I mean they would have liked an extra couple To really give their push for a final spot Some acceleration Another clean sheet for Joe Gauchi For Adelaide He's been really impressive And they're just stabilising Western Sydney Under Mark Rudin I think I think their fans will be going Okay we're not sure if this project Is definitely going to be a return to success But that feels settled I think about the way life is right now Under their new boss
1: Yeah and that's actually a decent result against Adelaide who have crept up and beaten a ton of teams right at the pointy end as well uh, and didn't allow them to get a ton of opportunities in the in the final 10 minutes, which we've seen Adelaide win so many games this season in that same fashion. So I think they can take a fair bit of confidence out of that one.
0: Really big Melbourne derby during the week. Melbourne victory, Western United, the form that the victory's in, uh, that is a cracker. Let's see how Western United respond after that 3-0 defeat. You know, does that rock them a little bit? Or do they have so much steel that they can bounce back? That's going to be really exciting. Uh, Plenty of other matches. Keen to see the Jets against Sydney FC on Friday night. You know, coming off that 4-0 win up against a team like Sydney who's just had a big victory. Can the Jets go with those top sides? Or is there a gulf for them? That's a really interesting talking point as well. And then plenty of other big games to watch out for across the weekend that obviously you can keep across on channel 10 paramount plus the keep up website. And then this podcast on a Monday and then includes the socceroos on Thursday, which is enormous. That includes the A-League women's grand final too, chappers. So yeah, starting from Thursday night, a big few days coming up.
1: Massive, massive few days, really exciting. Uh, So much news coming out today about the socceroos that we touched on. Uh, big, you know, mountain of a task for them this week. Uh, an A-League women's final. It's it's do or die. Can anyone beat Sydney? Uh, lots lots of things to get excited about.
0: Hopefully a big crowd there Thursday night and on Sunday at Jubilee Stadium. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, plenty more coming your ways. We might try to make sense of all that will happen, <laughs> oh, yeah, happen in the next few days. <laughs>
3: These moves look and nice in the future These moves look and nice in the future These moves look and nice in the future up in a look nice Look nice Yeah we look nice future looking nice we don't need to tell them twice the
2: future
3: Yeah we look nice future looking real nice we don't need to tell them twice the yeah,
2: nice. future